Today, I'm joined by Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Chris Dolnak. With 30 years of industry sales and marketing experience, Chris leads marketing and sales operations, branding, membership, business development, partnership marketing, customer recruitment and retention. We're at the industry's largest trade show in Las Vegas, the Shooting, Hunting, and Outdoor Trade Show which is known as the SHOT Show in the industry, to discuss the hunting industry and everything around the impact that industry has on our country. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, first of all, I look at the mission of what you do at the National Shooting Sports Foundation to promote, protect, and preserve hunting and the shooting sports. How freaking cool is that? I mean, to do that job has got to be just unbelievable, right? Well, Jeffrey, if you, if you grew up a hunter and shooter like I did yeah. um, in an outdoor environment, I mean, you're living the dream, literally. Yeah. Where did um, you grow up? In, in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. So was was it always something you wanted to do, or you just can't? The hunting and fishing you grew up doing, but when you said, "Hey, I'm going to go off and get a big big boy job," did you think of, that this was going to be it? Uh, n- n- not initially. I wanted to be a conservation officer, and in fact, I I was a deputy waterways conservation officer with the Pennsylvania Fish Commission uh, for about a year. Were you checking licenses, things like that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, uh, checking creel limits and things yeah uh, boater registration pfds things like that but you know it, i had an opportunity um to go to work for a, a fishing industry company through um, a high school teammate of mine his father was a was a rep in the business and what my, was it what was the company can you tell us oh sure it was yeah. uh, it was berkeley oh uh, berkeley yeah oh, burke Bedell. yeah exactly oh, from iowa yep uh, if former for those people who are listening and don't know burke Bedell, but burke Bedell and his family started uh berkeley and uh, he was a congressman from Iowa for a number of years. Great guy, great family, great guy. It was a yeah, really terrific experience. I lived out in Iowa for for about fourteen months. Um, so it was a great company from Pennsylvania to Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, they had some great hunting out there well, too. Uh, yeah, not as good as South Dakota, but not bad. We'll we'll, <laughs> tell, we'll let it go. But they had good deer hunting, that's for sure. Yeah. They did. I, I took a, a pretty nice buck uh, in the corn with a bow. Yeah, the corn. You know the corn-fed deer are huge. I, you know people don't understand how big they are out in the wet Midwest until you see one, and then you compare them to where I grew up down in Georgia. Big difference. I mean, you can put a twenty-gauge shell inside the hoof print of many of those deer. They're they're very very big. See, a three hundred pound deer is not uncommon. And their antlers it makes their antlers look small. Yeah, it does because because, yeah. The, because the bodies are so yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to mule deer, which is a little bit smaller, but yeah, big racks on right. them. So when when um, so then you went on to do what? Because I'm kind of curious about this progression. You start as a conservation officer and then go to work for a company. So I was calling calling on retailers, covering mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania to Virginia, um, doing detail work, you know, putting up displays and things like that. And then I had an opportunity to go out to Iowa, to the headquarters where I was um, overseeing their consumer shows and what they called special projects. Mm-hmm. So we participated in 80 uh, sports shows across the country and, you know, all the logistics and planning and marketing behind that. So is the company still around? 
It is. It's owned by Jardin. Oh, yeah. Jardin. And they yeah. bought up a lot of brands, right? They, they yeah. have, and they have a they have a very strong outdoor lifestyle portfolio. Is it is the, the industry itself? I mean, we're talking about something that's huge. I mean, we're talking about a hundred and ten billion dollar industry total. I think in rough numbers, about fifteen billion in taxation that's given and local state uh, revenues that are part of that. So when you think about the the, the shooting sports industry and outdoor industry as a whole it's it's massive in the size let me ask you about the companies the is there a, a tend or a trend right now of lots of bigger companies buying up smaller companies or or is there still a cottage industry around this around this particular industry actually it's both you're seeing you know you're seeing some of the larger companies particularly some of the publicly traded companies um, that are making acquisitions to diversify their portfolios you know, maybe going actually you know, beyond actual hunting and shooting, but still nevertheless outdoor lifestyle. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Sure. Because so when you think about that, I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's a lifestyle business. Yeah. Well, when you look at it, you know, there's a tremendous amount of crossover between hunters and fishermen and people that go camping, water sports. They just like being outdoors. And, you know, even though it's not, you're not actually hunting or, or, or fishing, you still have the opportunity to enjoy wildlife and experience it and and do, do you pinch yourself though? I mean, do you think about the because you get to? I, I would imagine you get to go hunting a little bit, a little go fishing a little bit as part of the job. It's all part of research. Not as much as you'd think. Yeah, um, it's, it's not like the golf industry where yeah, you know, golfing is part of of what you do. But you do get some really unique experiences and the, the people that you meet and the and just the whole sense of community. You know, within the industry, it's... Yeah, we mentioned golf. I mean, let me tell you what. You know, everybody talks about using golf and playing golf, and that's a measure of great business success. But you go shooting with somebody, you go fishing with somebody, and you're in a boat for 24 hours or, you know, for days on end up in in in, in, in Ontario or maybe in, in Canada or, or even South Dakota or Iowa or wherever you might go fishing. It's a measure of a person. That's uh, funny you say that because my grandfather told me when I was in my early teens... He said, "If you ever want to, if you want to truly get the measure of a man, go hunting or fishing with him." Yeah, it's true. You you get to see whether they take the shots, they hog, you know, was which we know. We know that there are guys that go sure. out no matter what bird gets up, and every shot that goes out, hey, I got that, I got that, and you know, I once had that where I went out with a guy. I got to tell you this, Chris, a, a big executive, massive, big, huge executive, Fortune 100 company, we're out shooting all day long, kept saying, "I got that one. That was my shot, my shot." One time we were out hunting quail. Two birds get up. I shoot twice, double, boom, boom, knock them down. He never even shot. The guy, just to give him a hard time, says, nice shot, whatever his name was. And he goes, thanks. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So you get, so right then that told me all you need to know about that guy. And that was a great day that day because we shot, I think it was 66 birds between the two of us in a period of about two hours. It was a great day and, and lots of good food, lots of good eating because that's the big thing. Because, you know, you're probably one of those guys. You harvest it. I would think you harvest the, the stuff you shoot as well. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the way I was raised. And that's, yeah. I think it's part of the, part of the whole experience, you know, to, to have, you know, protein as they now call it on, yeah, the, on the reality shows yeah. but you know to have to have meat that's been wild raised um and and that you you know how it was handled yeah. and um and it's yours it's yours and, yeah. and and you did it yourself and respectful and you're respectful you you know you can even say a few words over over the animal that you've just harvested and and you see the whole locavore movement and just the people that what's that word you use? locavore I, oh I, I haven't heard that term yet 
Is that in terms of like harvesting local animals? Correct. Okay, okay, Correct. Cool. And so you have people that would never have, have even thought mm. about getting into hunting, but because you know they're they're growing their own vegetables and they and they want to basically return to their roots. Yeah. So you you have you have millennials, you have um, Gen Ys that are that are taking up hunting, you know, and they're enjoying the experience and coming to love it. But the main the main point of entry for them is harvesting meat. Well, I'm going to get back to that. I want to talk about that because I think that's a cool thing at a local level because uh, I just think that's an important sustainability kind of activity. So let's talk about that. And when speaking of sustainability, I want to talk about my friends at Duncan because they're advocates for social movements, which is why why they are very proud to be the first national brand to sell espresso beverages made exclusively from fair trade certified espresso beans. That makes uh, me very, very happy because I love espresso. And anyone who listens to this show knows how much I love drinking my Dunkin' Espresso because all business with Jeffrey Hazlett runs on Dunkin'. I can't do without it. And uh, America uh, runs on fair trade certified Dunkin' Espresso. I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. Do you, are you a coffee drinker? Oh, Chris? Huge, hugely. Yeah. How do you like your coffee? Uh, just a little bit of cream, but I but I also take it black. Yeah, I do too. I've been cutting down on the cream a little bit, cutting down on the dairy. I don't know why, but I like I like cream. I like I like real cream. Yeah, I've been using the fat free. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> my dad when I used to we used to go get milk. I used to go get him a couple two and a half gallons of milk every uh, couple of days, and I'd always go out to this local farm and pick it up, and it was this big jar. That they'd give it to you, and it was all this cream, and he liked to just drink the cream off the top. <laughs> yeah, sucker. You know, he always got to it first. Well, anyway, well, let me let, let's talk a little bit about um, the the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the news all the time about, uh, and I I call it attacking the industry and lumping us in with a lot of uh, bad things sometimes because bad things do happen, but that doesn't mean we're the reason for it. But when you think that this would be an industry that isn't growing or an industry in retreat, it's quite the opposite. Because I was reading a figure the other day that the number of gun makers has surged by about 25%. So there's actually more people making guns, right? There is. I mean, as the, as the, the market has grown, as interest in, in firearms ownership, both for you know, hunting and, and uh, target sports, as well as for personal protection and self-defense, mm-hmm. has grown. You know, and when you saw that pivot come, um, you know, after 9-11 yeah you know, i think um people did some reflection and and i think people took more responsibility for their for their own safety and 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 whatnot and so you, you the one thing that our industry has going for it is that once people try shooting they fun, uh, they it, discover how fun it is and you don't have to be big you, you don't have to be tall you don't have to be strong you yeah. don't have to be fast um you just have to be careful. You just, well, you just <laughs> you have, have to, to be safe, right? And and and, and con- responsible. And concentrate. Yeah. And you know the exhilaration that you see on people's faces. I, I took one time at when I was at Kodak, went out to the local shooting club, which I belong to Brooks uh, Brooks Shooting Club, Gun Club, Rochester Brooks. Yeah, Rochester. Yeah, I've Brooks. been there. Yeah, it's awesome, awesome club. And so uh, a member of that club for a number of years, and I used to go down there and shoot it all the time. Almost every Saturday morning, I used to get together with a group of uh, gentlemen, um, and they were gentlemen. Uh, no ladies, but gentlemen, and we all did it every Saturday. And then we had it was an all-day thing. It was awesome. One of my best experiences. Never once while I fly up back up there, and they let me go. But once I took an entire marketing team out for an evening of skeet shooting, and people who didn't had never done it before 
wanted to go back and do it again. Many became um, enthusiasts afterwards and went out and got their own guns, went out and did their own things, went through the courses, did everything, and are now lifelong advocates of, of this particular side of the sport. So it, w let me get back to the number of manufacturers because I think that's kind of interesting because I think you're seeing a lot more specialty guns like it was two, 300 years ago, quite frankly. We used to have a lot of specialty manufacturers. Then we went to more mass manufacturers. And I think we're going back to this, this little specialty side, aren't we? Where guys are making certain calibers, certain types of guns that they want because they're collectors and they're real enthusiasts of wanting that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're saying, you know, there's definitely a boutique market. Yep. Um, where you have... Well, but I see you say boutique. I mean, but <laughs> we say boutique because they're expensive. Some of these guns are, I mean, we're talking fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000. But you have these manufacturers that are, that are appealing to... Um, customers who want to own something different, something yeah. unique, something that's going to maintain value, uh, perhaps you know an heirloom quality piece, and and then you have you know, this transition where you're seeing more and more you know value price products, taking out you know some of the some of the frills, um, perhaps you know, using different manufacturing processes to to try to reduce costs to deliver a product that delivers a, a great performance at a, at a great value. Uh, so there's something for everyone. And some of those manufacturers have done a great job. I mean, you look at like a, a Winchester 870, you can get synthetic stocks, a, a nice black matte finish, and it just lasts forever, doesn't rust. It's awesome. It's a good utility gun, which, you know, I keep in, I shouldn't say this, but I keep one of them underneath the seat of my pickup truck because you need one. I keep another one on mounted on my four-wheeler. Now, people think, well, why would you have stuff like that? Well, you, you need, I'm out hunting, I'm, go, you know, I'm goofing around, I'm having a good time, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing fences, but it's also a bird hunting season. So I, have, I, I shoot dinner, and I do that quite often. Well, you know, that's one of the inherent challenges that, that our business faces, is that essentially, if you look at the, the, the mass market and the mid, midpoint uh, price point, for essentially what people are paying for a television mm -hmm. and have been paying for a television you know for the last 30 40 years they're buying they're buying a fire, american made you know firearm and then if the if the tv goes off to college you know with one of the children they're ecstatic yeah. but but they expect that firearm to be passed down for generations yeah. and they are built to last yeah. for generations and many of the manufacturers they provide a lifetime warranty yeah, I just got a just got one of my dad's guns back from my brother, that he just didn't want. He's a pastor, and he just didn't want it anymore, and I and so I'm glad gladly took it. It was another one of my dad's, and then my uncle, who was a, a Marine in, um, in the Korean War, just got his 45 Colt 45. Wow. Yeah, isn't That's that cool? Neat. Yeah, to, to have your uncle's who's 83 years old, you know, to have his original Colt 45. I'm going to ask him how he got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he's got it. And, and nonetheless, it's kind of cool. All right, we're, we're, we're in Vegas right now. You and I are sitting here in my hotel room, uh, which is my studio right today. And um, this is a huge show. I mean, I love this show. This is a dream come true for any outdoor enthusiast is this show, and you get to run it. Tell me about the show. Well, um, the Shooting Hunting Outdoor Trade Show, yeah. SHOT Show, is the 15th largest trade show in North America. It's the fifth largest event in, held in Vegas. Wow. We'll, we'll have about 64,000 of our closest friends with us on Tuesday morning when we open. Mm -hmm. We'll have 1,600 exhibitors. Uh, we'll be about 2,500 members of the media here. Wow. 
And if you were to spend, if you were to visit every exhibit during the the posted show hours, you would have approximately 80 seconds yeah. at each booth. It was interesting. I came in the airport last night. You, you could tell who's coming in for the show. Well, one, because, you know, they got a lot of guys with camouflage or whatever, but you see some serious guys. But when we're getting our bags, now I have I had my radio equipment with me, so these guys are picking up their guns, right? And so we all had to go into the special check-in area where we, you have to go pick them right. up. And the guy says, waiting for your guns. I, and I felt like, oh, man, no, just my radio stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just my radio stuff. How much has changed over the years with this particular show? Well, um, you know, that's the only constant in life and in business, mm-hmm. you know, it was changed. So, yeah. you know, we, we listen to the voice of the customer. And so we're, you know, constantly trying to bring, you know, some new wrinkles, some new innovations to keep the show fresh and vibrant and relevant. You know, so whether like now it's using digital signage, um, a lot more electronic, you know, and, and digital communication. So how do you use digital signage in a big show like this? Well, instead of hanging banners. Yeah. Um, you know, then you, which are obsolete right after you're done with them for the most part, right? Until next year. Yeah. Unless they have a product on them, but by using uh, digital signage where we can, you can not only sell sponsorships, you know, and have branding messaging on there, Mm -hmm. but you can also have relevant information. Like today on our archway, we're running in a big screen. We're running information for exhibitors because they're moving in and setting up their displays. Yeah. And, um, so starting on Tuesday, we'll have, Inform- welcoming information in the morning for our attendees and so it makes it more relevant in terms of you're able to be fluid with it and it's real-time information yeah. then in the afternoon we'll we'll switch that out with some messaging about shuttle buses back to their hotels events that are happening you know that evening yeah whereas if you had those as static they just got to be there the whole time mm-hmm. you can't can't move it around which just makes it a little tougher right i think the other thing that you'll you, you see is it wasn't that long ago that uh, you know, probably 80% of the business was, was hunting-based, hunting-slash-target shooting. And now almost 30% of the show floor is uh, law enforcement-slash-tactical. Ooh, let's come back to that. I want to take a moment because i got to take a break. Okay. Because i got to get paid, all right? You're just like you get paid by the sponsors that are coming in to the show. I get paid by sponsors as well. And I want to talk about my good friends at Liberty Tax. Give me Liberty, all right? It's great to have the good folks at Liberty Tax on board with all business. Liberty is the fastest-growing retail tax preparation firm with over 4,000 offices across North America. It's a great seasonal franchise opportunity as well. So if you're looking to get into the business or, hey, just add another service of, uh, to your business or just do something part-time, jump in. It's a great tax prep service. You know who they are, the guys out waving in front of the big Statue of Liberty signs. They're awesome. I love those guys. Um, and you should look to Liberty. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, so let's let's talk about that. So um, I was just talking to a, a guy who just won his sheriff's election, and he was talking about, oh, I got to go to the SHOT Show. And that was the first I'd heard that there was more and more law enforcement that's part of it. It The SHOT Show has contained within its... Uh, within the show floor, the largest law enforcement exhibition in North America. Yeah, even bigger than the law enforcement guys. Even bigger than, say, the uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police show. Why is that? Um, I think because our our, um, exhibitors manufacture a variety of products. Sure. So, you know, some of it has evolved, some of it's new startups, and, you know, there's general interest because, you know, it 
police officers are you know using firearms right. have familiar familiarity with them they have an interest in it i think the other thing is that we have really elevated our law enforcement education here um, we have a law enforcement education program um, lots of sponsors you know we draw law enforcement from all over the country they'll spend you know um, parts of three days um, you know getting the latest training they can earn um, hours, hours credits credits for mm -hmm. certification so it's, you know, it's just part of our industry's commitment you know to support law enforcement and, and try to give something back when well, I about every law enforcement person that I know I won't say in New York City but the big cities but most of them I know are all out, outdoorsmen you know a great deal, number of them right Many of them, so, yeah, sure. yeah. So that makes sense for a good crossover in terms of that perspective. Now you're doing some other kinds of programs here. That you've got an executive forum that you're running for the very first time, right? We, we do. We have an executive management seminar. We've got uh, over six hours of programming um, with you know, some real stars um, from the business world, um, and so you know we partner with C-Suite Network. Yeah, which you appreciate. Uh, we really appreciate. And you've got a so you're doing some special education for the executives inside the industry correct we're, yeah. we're, we're just trying to we're trying to add as much value for the experience you know um as we possibly can so it's not only you know the shot show is our industry's most significant um, branding and media event but what else can we do to add value yeah. to it we have industry day at the range where we have buyers and uh, media going out and trying the new products hands-on and that takes place tomorrow we've got the executive management seminar and this year we also have what we call the supplier showcase where we have um, 250 um, OEM suppliers that are going to be exhibiting and they're trying to, to, you know, to, to hook up, make relationships with exhibitors so that they could possibly supply parts to or processes. So, so, so that's new. That's brand new. So, a while, so you've been around for a long time. How did you just like, okay, how come we didn't do this before? Especially when you got two, three hundred. How many did you say? Uh, we have over two hundred and fifty exhibiting, and we've got uh, nine hundred RSVPs from manufacturers. So when you see that, you you should probably, I would, you know, heading marketing, you probably say, well, well, why didn't we do this we earlier? Should've, we should have should have had a V eight. Yeah, we should have had a V eight. <laughs> On it. Well, I think you know, or you should have had more Dunkin' Espresso. If you had more Dunkin' Espresso, you know, two things with that. We're venue bound. Mm -hmm. um, we're space constrained, and so you know, we've made it a a policy and a strategy to to try to get you know try to get the core business firearms and ammunition manufacturers into the show when it, whenever yeah. there's an opportunity, and then you know because well, you got twelve thousand of those right. I mean, it's a I don't know if it's total of twelve thousand, but got, well, we got twelve thousand members. I think you have right, or is it more? Yeah, than? it's yeah almost thirteen thousand members. So we're trying to get. We're trying to get those core products um, onto the show floor. That doesn't really leave an opportunity for o OEM suppliers. Yeah. And our partner um, here in Vegas, a show producing company, uh, Convex, the, they used to run the SEMA show, yeah. produce the SEMA show um, for the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association. They had a supplier showcase for the very same reason. Mm -hmm. So just looking at you know how we can add more value. So let's, let's explain this to the people that are listening. They don't know what OEM means, other equipment manufacturers. What yeah, that original means. equipment, yeah. Yeah, you know, original. And, and so that means it's somebody else, not the name brand, that's typically helping them either sell parts or make parts or do something along those lines, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I first went, I worked for Smith & Wesson for six years. Mm -hmm. When I first great, went- Great handgun. Ter terrific brand, iconic yeah. American brand. 
And when I first went to work for, for Smith & Wesson, they were still largely vertically integrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had people that were making screws, making the, the grips. I mean, everything was done in-house. You know, and then when you look at, you know, with the advent of, you know, ISO certification and Kanban yeah. and just-in-time delivery, where a lot of that then is outsourced because it's, it's more cost-efficient. Um, the quality control is— So is, like a barrel. Well, I mean, or, or, a lot of manufacturers will make they're their not barrels. Gonna, yeah, they're going to make their barrels. But a lot small of, parts. Yeah, but, but even if you want—but there are some manufacturers. I know uh, some other ones, some Italian-made products that are— they're bringing in various barrels. They're bringing in various uh, stock stock pieces that that they don't make, but yet they're using their name as the brand name, right? So, I mean that because when you think about a lot of that stuff, that's a lot of inventory sitting around there. That's millions and millions of dollars. And if you have like just-in-time delivery from an OEM, that's a lot better. Just-in-time delivery. They have certified suppliers, so they're just doing you know um, made to spec. And they're just doing, you know, uh, cursory inspection, you know, of, of a couple pieces um, on the loading dock, um, so it, it helps, you know, helps them be more efficient. Because just mm-hmm. like all businesses, you know, especially you know, heavy manufacturing, when you're making little pieces of metal out of big pieces of metal, yeah, I mean, the cost pressures um, oh, are, are, are tremendous. Yeah, because everybody wants it for cheaper than they can get it. And, and our product is not something that you can outsource, you know, to a low cost market. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because you want a quality product. I well, mean, the people buying the things that they're buying, look, I, I want, it's an heirloom. If it's a handgun, it's an heirloom. That's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, the, even my dad's, you know, old Winchester or my dad's old this or my, I don't have any of my grandfather's uh, guns because I, I was the, the oldest of the youngest son. So that meant it never got down to me, right? So now I've got, you know, other relatives who are passing and they know that I'm an enthusiast, so I'm getting those things but but those old 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 ones you know because my family came here in 1757 and so in 1757 we were fighting in the french and indian wars you know with the british and then against the british and a little bit a few few years later so i would love to have some of those pieces you know as as part of that but you you know just can't let me i take another break man this is good i love talk i could talk to you forever this is good stuff i love the show gosh if you have not been to the shot show this is a mecca i sent a friend i sent out notes i'll, I'll come back to this in a minute okay because i want to talk about the same box because i got to talk about the same box swamp with emails i'm telling you here's my secret weapon i can't tell you this enough as i tell and every single week i talk on the show i uh, spending hours and hours sorting out what's important and what's not on email is a pain in the you know what and I was in the same spot until I found Sane Box. That's S-A-N-E Box. Look, you pay 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month. I don't even know what it is. I don't care, but I got this for every person in my company because it intelligently sorts my emails so that you can deal. I'm getting choked up about it right now just thinking about it. So you can, you can sort through the most important ones right away. So I tag things like two days, three days, four days, and they show back up in my inbox if someone hasn't got back to me or I just put them over and I put them in the bulk or I put them into Mitch. Like, Mitch, I need you to take care of this. And it, after two or three days, it recognizes them and sends them to the people it needs to go to. This is awesome. This is a cool tool. Sanebox. So if you want you want a, a free package, just a little bit, I can get you like 14 days or something like that to try it out. It's www.sanebox.com forward slash Hazlet. That's my name, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, and you get it. There you go. It's a, a cool product. So, no, let's get back to the mecca of the show. I mean, how big the show is. You know, 
you know, I do a lot of hunting. I do a lot of fishing. I host a couple of hunting uh, trips myself, which I just invited you to. And um, got a quail hunting one coming up here in Georgia that I'm going to go do in March. So I, and so this is a, sh- a, a cool show. I've been to the show only twice in my lifetime. But I, it's like, wow, I want to come back all the time. So I sent a note out to a lot of friends. Hey, I'm coming. Who wants to go? And all of these people wrote back to me saying they just, oh, I want to go. I want to go. Do you, do you get that when you tell people about what you do and oh, the shot show? All the time, yeah. all the time. But you know, it's a trade only event. Yeah, so. right. So it's tough. It's not. It's not like you really get in, right? See, I'm media, so I get to sneak <laughs> in. So, this is but good. It, it is. You know, it's um, it, it's just an incredible, incredible event. Yeah. Um, seeing you know all all the people in our industry, and yeah, they're competing every day. You know, for market share and mind share. But you know what? We're all. You know, it's a gathering of the tribe, so to speak. When we when we gather at the shot show, we're, the, the the unity and the energy. Um, it's just it's the launch of the year. You know, the coming sales year, and um, you know everybody's united. Everybody what's, stands together. What's your together. biggest concern for the industry right now? Well, I think you know just um, just you know sustaining sustaining um, the opportunities. You know, for people to own firearms, for yep. people to, to to use firearms, you know, responsibly and, and ethically and legally, right? Right, and yeah. that's so. You know, and and it comes with a responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're there to preserve and protect hunting and the shooting sports. I mean, that's it. And to me, it's a lifestyle. Is the lifestyle under attack, or is the lifestyle at threat? just because we're changing as a society or is it still as strong as ever? Well, it, I, I think that you're seeing like, in, like with uh, millennials, we're starting to see a, a very, um, a much slower adoption rate, but, um, you know, certainly, you know, with, um, with Gen Y, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are becoming more, um, into, into hunting and shooting. And I think people in general are, are interested and concerned about personal protection. Yeah, you know, and I think you know, you know, again, 9/11 changed the way people viewed um, the world around them and their their role in, in taking responsibility for their for themselves. And um, you know, when you see everything that that goes on in the world, both here in the U.S. and, and abroad, um, that people are concerned about personal protection and safety and it, it doesn't matter where you're from i mean everybody wants their family to be safe yeah and we're not saying a firearm you know firearm ownership is for everyone but you know if, for those people that do choose to include a firearm in their personal protection plan um then you know it's it, it's or, it's incumbent on us to provide a, a a quality product and to provide them with the information that they can use it safely and responsibly yeah, but i'm also seeing a number of people who are older in my and let's say 40s and 50s you know we say older but let's say 40s and 50s but i'm watching these people now saying look you know i did that once when i was a kid and i want to go do it again i think we're seeing a resurgence back into this industry where people are and i think people are getting more in touch with being outdoors too oh and and particularly with women you know we're saying women in, in that age demographic that you're talking about um, we have a program called First Shots, where we it's a three-hour start-to-finish um, uh, course. It's it's free, and it's held at shooting ranges all over the country. And you go you go there, and you attend. Um, you get safety information. You get to f- actually fire your first shots, and mm-hmm. you get informa- information with the with the papers that if you wanted to go apply for a permit to own a 
don't a handgun, that you would have all the information that you need when you leave there. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're seeing is we're seeing, you know, pairs of women, friends, you know, mother, daughter, sometimes husband and wife, and it tends to skew, you know, in the 40s, yeah. 50s. Um, and and so, I, again, that's more, I think, for the personal protection. I, you, you look at hunting, for those that, who don't know and are listening in, it's a lot more restrictive than it ever used to be when I was a kid. I mean, they, you got to go through mandatory courses before you got to be at least a certain age. I, I took my son, who is now 30. He used to go out with us when he was five, six, seven. He wasn't allowed to carry a gun until he was 10, all right? And he got his first gun then, which was a Winchester 410, 40-inch uh, barrel, beautiful gun. I still want that gun back from him at some point. I keep seeing when I've seen that gun, it's just so gorgeous, it's so gorgeous. It was built in the, the gun was manufactured in the 40s. I bought it. It was just a beautiful gun. But he carried a BB gun for a couple of years. First, first couple of years, he carried a stick because he wanted to be like his dad. He wanted to be like his uncles and the, and the men who were with him. And I used to take him out of school to go to this trip all the way through when he was the grade school, junior high and high school to go on this annual pheasant hunting trip with all these captains of industry. And I once had a teacher push back on me and say, you, this is wrong, you take him out. And I said, ma'am, let's be clear. He's with gentlemen who run major corporations. He's gonna learn more in that week. Not just about hunting and fishing and being a man, but also, you know, in terms of, uh, and by the way, uh, being a responsible citizen out in, out in the environment. But, um, but look what he's gonna learn with all these business people. And look what he's doing today. He's running a multi-million dollar business today. So. That's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's all about the experience yeah. and, the, and the connections um, and, the, and the shared experiences. Yeah. By the way, you know, I, I've come to think about the people that I hang around with that I hunt or fish with being the most responsible people I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? In terms of, you know, look, I like to have a little scotch. Everybody knows that. I like to have bacon. I like to have a lot of different good things in life. But, you know, I would never drink if I was ever shooting. If I had a drink, I wouldn't go back out in the afternoon, you know, or something like that, or, or in the evening to go shooting. It's amazing to see responsible people like that. It's got to be kind of, it's got to be exciting for you to be around that many great people. It just, you know, it, it's, it's a very um, respectful, um, to, a, to a degree, tradition-bound, or, you know, at least, you know, um, Heritage, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the heritage of of hunting and, and firearms ownership in this country. That's that's how we were founded. When you're, when you're, uh, you know, great, my seventh great uncle and my grandfather, his brother was a sergeant fighting in the French and Indian War. I mean, yeah. it was you know, places like Pennsylvania and the, and the and the Hudson Valley. Yeah, that was the frontier. Yeah, you know. By and, the way, and and then at that time, if you think about this. Well, I, I talk about these specialty guns, but they were all specialty arms manufacturers. You know, when you think about the ones that are up there in New Haven, Connecticut, and the Connecticut area uh, that are still there today. Um, but then into the into this more modern era with some great American companies. You mentioned Smith & Wesson. You mentioned, let's talk about Ruger. Let's mention a bunch of these great, great, I mean, fantastic companies. Make You know, Ruger makes, I, I used to collect Rugers when I was in high school because it was the only all-steel gun that was still manufactured in, in the just, country. They just, you know, I, iconic American brands. Yeah. Um, and many of them are owned by, you know, now part of publicly traded companies, yeah. whether it's, you know, Vista Outdoor, American Outdoor Brand Company, Olin, 
big so, guys. Yeah. And then you got good companies Stur- like or- Stur- Orbis and and the, on the fishing side and so many others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! I can just go on now. I'm, I'm reminiscing because I'm just thinking about my favorite favorite gun. What's your? By the way, what's your favorite gun? Oh gosh, probably. Um, Probably a, a Winchester uh, 3030, 90, uh, Model 94. See, now I was I partial to the Marlins. Now I, I, now, I like the Winchesters. And you know, do you know why I like the Marlins? Because I shoot fast, and so I don't like those shells. I used to have those shells go down my shirt. They, they go Hot shell would go down my shirt after you shoot. My grandfather bought that, that gun for my uncle in the mm. for, used in the 40s. Mm. And, um, and I, I received that for my eighth birthday. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I... I got my first deer with it when I was yep. twelve with my grandfather. So thirty is it thirty thirty? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it was made in the thirties. Yeah. Nineteen thirties. So it's just you know very treasured. There's just the memories of shooting it with my dad, and my grandfather, and taking my first deer with my grandfather. Do you ever have it reblued or redone? Not a thing. I was to see a lot of us. I I've done a couple of guns like that where I've reblued them or redone them. Even done them myself. I just reblued an old four ten uh, over Christmas. So. It's, it's, it's original. Yeah. What's uh, what's your favorite outdoor um, hunting? You know, I, I guess uh, white-tailed deer hunting. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up. Yeah, you know, doing the Pennsylvania so deer camp where you'd have camps filled for for a week and yeah. um, a lot of camaraderie. You um, still do that? Oh yeah. 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 Take the first uh, week of the season off. Or? Week after Thanksgiving. Is that when it is? Sure is. Yeah. yeah. In fact, my my uh, my dad. He, he's eighty six. Um, he, he still goes out there. You know, he doesn't yeah. stay out all day uh, like he used to. But you know, how many eighty-six-year-olds you know that drive five hours and then get up at five o'clock in the so morning? You going into a stand in the car? In, no, no, no. We no, we hunt from the ground. Do you? Yeah, we're, we're traditional. You drive drive them to to walk drives? No, it's uh, yeah. it's just ground hunting and Stalk knowing knowing the knowing the terrain. Train knowing, and the... Our family's been hunting the same area. For, since the 30s so yeah so it's the same same path we're, we're uh, deer and animals like humans have similar habits and they we tend to if you see a deer at a certain time every morning you'll see them the next day and the next day and the next day that's typical that's, that's i got a squirrel that I, I actually i have a camera outside my place in south dakota i have a squirrel who visits within five minutes every single day within a five minute gap every single day on my back porch five minutes Every day, yeah, I get an alert on my on my camera that says he's there. Anyway, well, I, I could go on and on. I well, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us today. Talk about the business of sports, of hunting and its impact on the country and the and the current events that are impacting this country. It's going to be a great great couple of years for this industry and a great a great good debates. I think and a good way for us to be able to look at it for the country. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. I All appreciate right. it. Thank you, my friend. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what did I learn, and I'm curious to know what you learned, so reach out to me and tell me. I appreciate that. I always like people taking and giving me their thoughts, um, uh, whether I agree with them or not. You know, it's always good. Tension's good. Um, First of all, I learned about how important this industry is to our country. I didn't realize that it was as big as it is as I went through and started doing all the research to find out about the Shooting Sports Foundation and its trade industry. It's a fairly substantial one to our country, not going away no matter what everyone says anytime soon. In fact, it's actually gotten bigger, and I was surprised by that, that more manufacturers have actually come in. But here's the other thing I learned, and I think you can learn this at most uh, places, most businesses. Um, 
invite somebody to go out <laughs> on a hunting or fishing trip and you really get a measure of a man or a woman then um, when you can trust them with a gun or you trust them to take a fish and they bring the fish in and the fish is just a little too short of the limit do you keep it or not do you throw it back what happens when you on a real a real uh, run of fish and you catch more than the limit what do you do well a good sports person a good ethical business person maybe throws it back um you know there's a lot of things that you learn about that um but anyway it's a great way to measure the the spirit and the ethics and the makeup of a man or a woman is to take him hunting or to take him fishing and you know you also get a friend for a lifetime well anyway this is jeffrey hazlett right here on all business with jeffrey hazlett on play.it and cbs or wherever you're downloading this podcast. I thank you, and let's hear from you, and don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.